0: Hello beloved, welcome to the Sacred Sister podcast where we normalize the magic and sacralize the mundane. In this podcast we open up dialogue on metaphysical subjects, self-healing tools, expanding consciousness, and deepening awareness.
1: We're here to support you in co-creating a life full of healing, meaning, and magic.
0: If you are brand new here, welcome and hello. We're so excited to have you here. If you want to know more about what's come before, season one was great for building foundations on spiritual practices. Season two, we focused on relationships, and now we're in season three.
1: The season of the Empress, where we open deep dialogue with conscious entrepreneurs who are spearheading their sacred mission.
0: We have an amazing lineup this season, so make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. Now a bit about us. I'm your host, Britt, a self-study entrepreneur, personal transformation coach, and content creator. I'm prompting you to come to know the self more fully, because when we can acknowledge who we are as unique individuals, our potential to experience life gets a whole lot more interesting. And I'm your host Hannah,
1: a Life Beyond a Veil coach, priestess, and astrologist, and I guide you to unleash your source powers, leverage your inner blueprint, and sync with life's algorithm to manifest your wildest dreams. Because hey, we're multidimensional beings playing this game of life. Let's make it fun and magical. We are so grateful that you're here,
0: and together, we're here to serve as your sacred, sacred sister. sister. Let's
2: dive in. Okay, so Gemini. That's me next. I'm Gemini, right? Yes, okay. Gemini's really interesting because they're always thinking. I think all the time. I lie in bed. I just make stuff up. I love when things go wrong. It's something about that entertains me. As soon as things go a little bit off, I find this whole thing funny. If things go predictable and they're just all normal, it's like everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm like... This is really boring. Being bored is not fun, because for me, I have to find something to stimulate me so I can keep myself interested, because when I'm interested, then life becomes colorful. Otherwise, I get bored. And when I'm bored, I get pissy. I'm giving you an example. I'm opening up the door, I'm showing it myself.
0: (laughs) I'm sure a lot of you are like, what the heck did I just listen to? And the answer is, that is the Gemini Traits video from Deborah's YouTube channel, which is how I first ran into her about five years ago. Deborah is the first, I want to say the first person in my life who really introduced astrology to me in a way that actually sparked my curiosity. I remember when I was younger, I would look in magazines and newspapers and see that sometimes I was a Taurus and sometimes I was a Gemini. It just depended on what I was looking at. So that was the first, like, slash of credibility to this system. I was like, what? These things don't even know whether I'm a Taurus? Or at the time, I thought it was pronounced Gemini." And I was like, yeah, what a silly system. What a, like, who believes in this stuff? So... Come to find out, it's actually because I was born right at the time that the sun was going from Taurus into Gemini, right at zero degrees. So being a cusp baby isn't necessarily the most rare thing, but for me, discovering that I was born at zero degrees added this whole new sort of curiosity to my life, and I started getting really interested in the system. So Deborah's YouTube channel has a bunch of like three or four day. astrology forecast so that you can know like what's coming up and how the next few days are going to look and i was obsessed with this channel and from there i discovered this amazing app called time passages that i could then um it's pretty much like a direct reading of my uh daily horoscopes so whatever's transiting currently in the cosmos i'm able to see the like heavy hitting aspects of what's transiting currently in combination with my unique birth chart. And that added a whole nother layer of like really unique ability to observe how astrology works on a deeper level. Because some days I would get like, you know, in an argument with my partner and then I would see that something was transiting and it's like, yeah, watch your communication with your beloved during this time because you might be more hot headed than usual. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, because you know, it's not it's not always that these things are happening, so whenever they do, and I see that something's correlating in the cosmos, it's something that's a really, really special moment, actually. So all of this interest started to lead me to um, wanting to take a local workshop here in Las Vegas, where I'm born and raised, and I started looking around for local astrology workshops so that I could gain like a foundational understanding of the self-knowledge system, and Then I come to find out that this really awesome, amazing, cool, grounded woman that I meet at a modeling job, by the way, I'm a model outside of my spiritual work, and that this woman teaches astrology courses and that she had one upcoming and I signed up for it. And that woman was Hannah who is the other half of Sacred Sister podcast. She's the other host of this podcast. So that was actually the first time that Hannah and I really started connecting. I think it was 2016, connecting more closely. And she gave me my parts one, two, and three, astrology foundation understanding. And from then on, gosh, I've probably had hundreds and thousands of hours of uh, astrology, like self-studies. It is such a fascinating system and something that I love about the way that Deborah approaches this system is that she's so kind, she's so lighthearted, she's so fun, because what do we know about self-knowledge systems like numerology and the chakra system and astrology and human design? It's like, these can be really complex systems and it can feel really stuffy if you're in a room with someone that knows a lot about the system, it can feel like... like They just have all the information and I don't know, it's just, it can be hard. It can be really hard to understand. It can feel unapproachable. It can feel very intimidating. And that's what I love about Deborah's approach is that she just approaches it she just says everything in such a way that it's it's just so kind. She's always lifting other people up and finding the good in the astrological transits too. I really like that too. So anyways, if you can't tell, I freaking love Deborah Silverman. I'm so grateful for her. I'm so excited to hop into the episode. But on this note, I just want to say thank you to Deborah for coming onto the podcast. We loved it so much. And hello to any new listeners that we have. We're so excited excited to have you here we hope that you really enjoy the episode as well and on that note let's head into hannah's astrology segment and take a look at deborah silverman's energetic dna hello and welcome
1: to the astrology segment i'm your host hannah and so today we're going to look into deborah silverman's blueprint And I love looking at the charts of each of our guests because it reveals so much about their own inner archetypes and personalities and how they were able to manifest and leverage their blueprint in this lifetime. And you will also start noticing throughout the interview, you may pick up some of the archetypes that I will be discussing now. And yeah, just have fun with it. It's a really cool way of diving into our own selves, our gifts and challenges on a deeper level. So just as a little extra note obviously this is not going to be a deep astrology reading (laughs) because of time (laughs) i could literally talk about this all day but we're keeping it very short and quick and easy and simple but i hope to just give like a nice little overview for us to understand deborah on a deeper level So let's start with Deborah's sun sign. Her sun is in Gemini in the eighth house and Gemini is the messenger, jester, and student. Deborah is the student of life and she loves to be lighthearted and make jokes and tell her story and learn about other people. And she loves to especially learn about all things eighth house, all things that go on beyond the surface. Astrology is part of the eighth house as well, because it allows us to see the inner blueprint of our person, as well as any sort of transformations and just anything that is like our naked, raw self that we may want to hide from other people. But Deborah is able to talk about it in a lighthearted way and loves to get to know a person on that deeper level. And then we have her moon and Aries in the sixth house, and that shows how Deborah really feels the need to be of service to others. She enjoys to be the warrior for others to become their better selves. You know, with Aries, it's in such a fiery way of how she serves others and help others to become better. <laughs> She's inspiring and motivating and really puts fire under people's butts to improve their lives and really step up their games because she knows what their potential is and she knows what is possible for their lives. And then one thing that really stands out to me when I look into Deborah's chart is the kite. She has a very rare constellation in her chart that is called the kite or the diamond as one of my students loves to call it and I love that way of looking at it. But the kite is basically a combination between a grand trine and a small talent triangle, meaning there is a grand trine. For Deborah, it's a grand fire trine. And if you've listened to our past episode with Julie Parker, she also had a grand fire trine. And the difference between that and the kite is that it also connects another planet with that grand fire trine. And for Deborah, that is the sun. And that is the main planet of that constellation that helps her to really put that talent that we have with the Grand Trine and put that into reality and manifest that on a deeper level. It's usually easier to make good use of our grand fire, of our Grand trine when we have a kite. So in Deborah's case we have the grand fire trine and fire is the element of spirit. She has this talent to look into the bigger picture, that's Uranus, right? And also heal the soul with the moon and put things into action with the Saturn. That she allows herself, no matter in what darkness she finds herself in or other people find themselves in, she's always able to see the light in it. She's able to see that fire that helps us to keep the faith, keep the hope, and focus on the light no matter how dark it is and it helps us go through that tunnel and see the light at the end of the tunnel and she helps us put that fire under our butts to really get our stuff going and manifest our dreams into reality (laughs) and then additionally she also has a god's finger that points towards saturn and whenever we have a god's finger or also called a yod it's a constellation that is kind of showing a special purpose or a special mission in this lifetime. And everybody of us comes with a special mission. But when we have a God's finger, it's it gets to the point that it's really uncomfortable when we're not on our path. <laughs> so it's like we have to kind of do our mission, otherwise we're not happy in our life. And with Saturn in Sagittarius in her second house, I feel like this is about being very established in her faith. Sagittarius is the sign of faith and deeper understanding and wisdom and being the teacher. And with Saturn there, it's like really becoming an authority in that area and in the second house of like building her business as a teacher of faith as a teacher of those deeper wisdoms, that symbolic way of looking at life, which is astrology. And then she has Libra rising with her Venus also in the eighth house. This is really so beautiful because Libra is the artist and the beauty and the lover And ultimately, she truly is a lover of people. She loves to look into the deepest selves of others and be the cheerleader for them. So ultimately, Deborah is a transforming messenger who inspires others to become their best selves by supporting them in their transformation from the dark into the light. And if you are now interested to look deeper into your archetypes, feel free to go to my website, hannahkristensen.com. The link is also in the show notes. And you'll be able to download your free archetype playbook just by clicking on your zodiac sign. And if you want to look deeper into your inner blueprint, feel free to reach out to me. And so Deborah is going to guide us through a little meditation and prayer. So just allow yourself to relax now, sit back and enjoy.
0: Oh, sacred sister, a kindred flame, may we light one another. From the ashes, rise.
1: Oh, we rise. Oh. oh, oh.
2: All right, so whoever's listening to this stopping time is always a good way to begin. (laughs) Just taking a few deep breaths to come into the moment and let the sound of my voice be the guide to allow your mind to take a seat. So we enter into this wonderful exchange. There's women, women everywhere on the planet right now. We are sitting amongst a circle of women. Imagine that in cyberspace, there's no limitation. With our eyes closed, there's no limitation. And we embrace our heart and hand it into the center of our circle. Imagine we were sitting in a big circle and everyone literally just put their heart into the middle of the circle as though they were holding it in their hands. And we introduce ourselves to say, this is a group of women or beings or whoever's listening in this moment that want nothing more than to say, my heart is open and I'm willing and available to allow life to have her way with us in this next hour, in this next encounter, as my voice, our voice becomes one. May we know how to use the words that flow to be uplifting, to be a blessing, to be a healing. And while we're doing this in an exchange together in this group setting, in this moment, may it continue. May our words fall softly into places that your body or your heart needs soothing. So with an open heart and a mind that is expansive in the name of this wonderful gathering here in cyberspace that has no boundaries, may we begin to open up and allow spirit to find her way, his way through us in this next encounter and continue to know the art of slowing down time, taking a deep breath. Let's do it. Letting the heart soften, the mind open, and spirit is welcomed to use us to provide an uplifting tale, words, gifts of sounds that will begin to offer to all of us the universal quality we all long for, to be heard, to be seen, and to be understood. And so it is, Aho. hope.
0: so it is. So it is. Thank you so much, Deborah. Hello and welcome to all of our listeners. We are so excited to have you here today. Today, we're going to be opening up deep dialogue with astrologer Deborah Silverman. So, if you haven't heard of Deborah before, Deborah Silverman is part astrologer, part psychologist, part comedian, and all real. Over the past 40 years of her private practice, Deborah has helped thousands of individuals achieve emotional health and wisdom based on their unique personality and the four elements water, air, earth, and fire. Deborah's mothering approach to understanding people has earned her international fame and admiration. And as a personal piece, Deborah is the very first person that introduced me to astrology, probably about five or nearly. I want to say, wow, nearly six years ago on her YouTube channel. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with her YouTube channel. She does little uh, astrological reports every couple days. And she said something in one of those first videos that I watched that totally changed my life. She said, keep being you because everyone else is taken. And that gave me such a new, as someone who came from an identity crisis for the majority of my life, her saying that with such a jovial spirit, like, oh my gosh, it it changed my life, y'all. So if I knew that Deborah was going to be on this podcast today, a year ago when we started, I don't even know if I would have had the courage to show up to this project. Deborah, it is my greatest pleasure. I've been buzzing around the house all morning, just like a little bird. And I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for sitting here with us.
2: That's so sweet. If someone would have told me 40 years ago that I would be a name that people would associate with funny astrology. I would have said, Really? I was being trained in clinical <clears throat> psychology and trying to pretend to be normal, but I've <laughs> given up on that. And now I have become a name that is obviously we're up to like eight million hits on those funny videos, just the funny ones. Yeah. yeah. If people people really have done what you just said, realized that they could be themselves. And if that's the gift I bring. Job accomplished. I'm so happy. Thank you for letting Aww. me be one of your voices.
1: Oh, so beautiful. And I feel like um, you, you were just already saying it, like you didn't even know, you had no clue that you're going to be uh, you know, having a name of the funny astrologer, of the part comedian and astrologer and psychologist and bringing it all together. So I want to know, like, how did it all start for you? This is always the story that we love to hear from our guests. And how did you become who you are now? How did it start?
2: I think, you know, maybe this is true for all anyone that's listening. It's, I always say there's two distinct kinds of people. Some people are in the pursuit of why they're here and it becomes a lifelong confusion. Like, I don't know what I should be doing. Am I in the right job? I wonder what I should be when I grow up. I changed my relationship. And they go through a lot of that. That wasn't me. I knew at the sweet age of 10, it's such a funny story, (laughs) looking through the Detroit newspaper where the cartoon section was, there was an astrology option. This is like, we're talking about ready, 1967, I'm dating myself. In the Detroit news in the comic section was an astrology option where you could send your name in and they would send you some kind of I don't even know. I was so little and I only learned. Remember in school when you learned how to put your name and then the address and then the city and then the zip code was like the best thing for a little Gemini. Like I can make an envelope and I can send this out. So I did it. I was I was so I remember being so little and it was like the coolest thing. I, I didn't even understand, I didn't even know what it was. And then the sad part of the story, here's where it got sad. When it arrived and I was like looking at the mail every day, it was the wrong chart. I must have put in the wrong date. And I didn't know at that age how to return something. So that was that. (laughs) So that was the first kind of like a symbolic entrance of my soul <laughs> wanting to get this astrological chart. Fast forward, I was in high school and I got this book about the sun and the moon. The book, you went in the back of the book and you could see everybody's moon. And so I had, I was a social little animal said the Gemini Libra. I was very gifted at being friendly. And so I knew all my friends and I memorized within a minute, everyone's sun and moon. And I started talking to them. It's so funny that I was talking astrology in high school, like in 10th grade. And that didn't go very far. All I knew was the moon. And then finally, I met an astrologer who was a triple Gemini when I was 20. And it was a random incur- occurrence. And I invited her to my family's household. It was a Jewish holidays in September. I had met her at university. She came home with me and I had a table of people at that were in my family that looked like Woody Allen would not have changed their outfits. Like they, they were little Jewish people. They were all super duper characters and I called them the loud family. They all talked at the same time. It was hard to, (laughs) and there she sat with her ephemeris and she went around the circle to all these characters, my mother and my father and my brothers and my grandmother. And I was like, what? just happened. She described them. It was shocking. So we got in the car to go back to school after the holiday. And I said to her, can I, can you teach me what you just did? And she was like, sure. And then funny enough, within that month, she had to go across Canada. I was in Toronto at the time, across Canada for a three-day trip to get her to Pinocchio, Alberta. And she offered to drive with me. And I said, yes, I'll drive with you under one condition. (sighs) Will you teach me what you did that night? So two little Geminis sitting in a car, me taking notes. I drove her crazy. she kept saying, she kept saying Deborah, there's books in the back. Will you want to read?" I was like, no, because I have Mercury and Taurus, I'm an auditory learner. I was like, just keep talking. And by the time the trip was over, honest to God, I drove her nuts. I went I had a little notebook with colored pens in the car, the sun, the planets, the sides, the houses. Where does it go? How does the aspects? What's the And literally, it's embarrassing to say but that was my only teacher. And then fast forward, I just started doing readings because I was obsessed. <laughs> and I borrowed everyone I could meet with this book called Do It Yourself Astrology. Like in the back of the book, it showed you how to write a chart and figure out their birth time and what they're rising. I just made the whole thing up and I got the right answer. And before I knew, people kept knocking on my door. And I went to graduate school promoting and paying for it with all the st- readings I was doing because I was clearly built for the job. Well, that was a long story. But the short answer is clear, destiny was like, Deborah you're going to come with us. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? But not everyone has that story. And and I have children and I, and I know it kind of annoys them that I've known what I wanted to do my whole life. And that's not true. As you know, everyone listening, but that doesn't mean, it just means that this lifetime, you are either going down the road and having to figure out where to go by figuring out where you don't want to go. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to learn from this planet. Or you came in with a really strong true north, in which case it's a little bit of a burden because it's like Sting saying, I love." I have a good friend, Sting, and he said he had to be a singer because he couldn't do anything else. I thought that was so funny. He was like, I couldn't get a job. But it is true that there's there's a certain quality of destiny that calls your name. And if you're good at it, it's a little hard to stop. And so once I, I've never ever stopped playing astrology. I mean, I don't think a day goes by this is a funny thing to say, because here I am in my mid-60s now. I don't think a day goes by that I don't look at the stars, consult the energy of the day, consider what's going on astrologically with the person I'm sitting next to. I've always wished that there was a tattoo on someone's forehead that you could only see if you were an astrologer. So it wouldn't corrupt your facial structure, but if you were astrologer, you'd walk up and go, oh, great, I could see your Jupiter and Gemini at three degrees. It's so funny. We're but they don't have that. Totally. Oh my God. Wouldn't gosh. that be so fun? It would be so fun.
1: Um, but you know what's happening now? I see a lot of um, like necklaces or like bracelets being Tattoos. sold. Tattoos. Tattoos, even. Yeah, Can that have the birth
0: chart on. There? Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I know. And that's exactly what this episode is about. Before we ask this next question, I just have to say, okay, so I have, I don't know if you were wind, wound up being able to pull out my chart, but I have sun, Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter all in Gemini in the 11th house. And just like one of the biggest things that drew me to you was this, like, I, I realized that I didn't really know Gemini energy until I think I found you. And it helped me so much being able to like really self inquire and be like, you know what, this is who I am. This is totally who I am. And I'm not supposed to be anyone else. So it's been helping me to embody just by literally you showing up, isn't it that like classic saying that you have no idea how you could impact other people's lives just by being yourself. For some people, it's a cliche thing that goes over their head, and they don't give it that much girth or like meat but it's oh it's just so true and i just have to say you are such a refreshing um I'm gemini so that's a special energy
2: i'm so thankful and you know i i have had many gemini say that to me it's interesting because i've never had the problem like I, my gemini it's not as strong as yours but my gemini has never been inhibited to be i mean i could never control her like the kid in me there's no off button so it's I, like if you said to me, and I, and I lived in London, England for a while, and I used to go to dinner parties, and I was like, "Uh oh, I can only do so long before the Gemini comes out of the back. <laughs> and so, I, I, like, I, I can only not say shit. Like, "Uh oh, this isn't going to work," and especially if you give me a drink, that's bad. So, so <laughs> I had, to, I realized many years ago, like there was no off button, and I couldn't be trusted. And then other Geminis, so many have said to me, "You've given me back my freedom." to be myself. But I'm like, how did you ever not work? How did you, were you ever not able to do that mm-hmm. off the wall, especially you with moon and sage? How do you not say shit? I don't know. I don't have the off button. I'm better now. That's not fair. I'm much better now as a grown up.
0: <laughs> Great. But the question. Gemini,
2: the Gemini energy said, is pretty untamable. Did you feel like it was controlled or that you were self-conscious about it?
0: Yeah, I was definitely self conscious about it. And that comes from my whole background as uh, I grew up in 18 different houses all over Las Vegas. So, like, I was constantly in different schools. So, I had to learn how to just adapt to wow. whoever, whoever everybody else wanted me to be. And then I gotcha. would just show up as that person. And I was so. Per, like just open to receiving information, so I had to like take a backseat and be the witnessing observer a lot in order to like, get by, and I was super severely bullied. That is a totally different conversation because you're so cute. Oh, I was so bullied. Oh my gosh, I was because so- why? Um, for my anatomy, people would pick on me because of how skinny my legs were, how my feet looked just how skinny I was as a person, how I grew hair on my upper lip, how I was, um, I, I don't know, people story. just can feel the vulnerability inside of other people and it makes them an easy target. All I wanted was, I'm cancer rising too. All I wanted was like <sighs> yummy friends. All I wanted was serious friendship. So I was always there for everybody. And it was I attracted people that would just humiliate me in the middle of social but you know circles. what
2: that's called? You know what that is? First of all, you've got a very fat 11th house, which means that this lifetime you are different. So they can see that. And this is your karma. But I, I really think that that sense of self-consciousness or symptoms of bullies is karma. That there's probably no question in some past life, you've been under the effect of that, of being isolated 11th house, feeling different, not being part of, and then you get to heal it. And you get to change that story and go. Excuse me, I have my friends and move over. And by the way, bullying is not cool. Kick them as they walk out the door. Not just kidding. It was totally. bad, Deborah. Bad Deborah. Totally. But you, but you get to update that story. Is my point. Everyone has karma. Everybody has repetitive stories that repeat themselves throughout a lifetime, and it's something that's really important to. I call it falling in love with your fate. Like, wow, that bullying thing. Now I bet you're really adamant about not letting anyone hurt anyone a little cancer rising. You're like a cheerleader.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I've learned how to invite in that Taurus energy to being a Taurus Gemini cusp. It's been really helpful to help me bring it down a little bit.
2: <laughs> Good job.
0: Thank yeah. you.
1: I love that we've been talking about this because the 11th house is the house of Aquarius. And we're moving into the age of Aquarius. And it's such a uh, interesting thing, because me as an Aquarius rising with my chart ruler in the house of Aquarius, I've went through similar uh, things. Like I, people in school were telling me like, why are you so different? Just be normal. And I'm like,
2: I'm just trying to be me. I'm trying to be normal. Like was,
1: that for, the, for the longest time in my life, I just tried so hard to just fit in and be normal because I was like, I want to have my friends. I want to, you know be popular, you know, be one of the cool kids. I know. And I was always the outsider who was like sitting in the library doing the break because I didn't want
2: to, uh, you know, get into oh the bullying God. stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Totally... <laughs> yes. It, this is a universal thing for anyone, and this is so obviously in the center of our conversation today in that prayer we did, for all the people that feel separate, that
0: mm-hmm. look
2: at others to compare yeah. and wish so much that they could fit in or that they had a group of people that they belong to to realize that you are the leader to make that happen you cannot wait for others and that normal is just a setting on the dryer there is no such thing as normal and and once you reduce yourself to the attachment once you reduce once you let go of i need that you just start giving it so i become you know, the group team leader, like my job, this life, wherever I go is to say, okay, you guys, we're going to feel like, I make them feel like family. Cause I've had the same dilemma. I think when you're interested in this conversation of astrology, you are separate because you're staring at people. Like, what do we do? We stare at people. We stand at a distance and we observe them as though we were a social scientist. Welcome to the 11th house. (laughs) And then, and then you feel separate until you realize, oh, my job. Is to make them feel connected because secretly, here's the secret: people all feel disconnected. That's what they tell you when you're alone with them. I don't yeah. really trust this person. I don't really know if I have a best friend. I don't really know if I'm really lovable. Like that is one of the weakest parts of the unconscious. It's such a so we change that story by saying, "I'm so happy you're here." That's what I do. I give I give everybody hugs. Little Cancer and Mars and Cancer. I make sure I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. Like that little inject the genuine enthusiasm of you helping get rid of that feeling for others will help you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So, I have Mars cancer too. I know. I saw that. I just want to give you a hug, but you're so far away. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll hug another time.
0: I'm sure of it. So- I'm really excited that you're here for so many reasons, but one of them is because a couple weeks ago, after we had already scheduled our interview with you, I got an email from you and the subject line was astrology is the center stage in the Aquarian age. And I thought it was so aligned that we had already had this interview scheduled so my question to you is kind of a two-parter it's like how do you describe the new age to people that might come in from a religious background that might come in as like a oh i'm it sounds like such a woo concept so how do you describe what the aquarian age is to them and also why do you think that astrology is having such a major comeback in this whole time of unfolding and awakening consciousness
2: well, first of all, Saturn's an Aquarius as we're speaking. So let's start there. So every 30 years, this is one of the influences that I really think is going to be playing an important role from 2020 to 2023. And that's anyone who's born, anyone who is 27 to 30 years old or 57 to 60, this is your moment in the name of the Aquarian age. So what is, first, let's describe Aquarius. I call it a queer is us. <laughs> so it's the part of us that's weird. It's the part of us that doesn't fit in. Everything we are just talking about. It's the part that stands apart, stands away, and asks hard questions like, what are we doing? Why are we following? I don't want to wear that. Who told you you have to get up at that time? I'm not eating that food, that dead animal. Like, independent thinking. So they say that the ages go in 2,100 years. So we just finished the Piscean Age, which was very different. It was all about following and being part of a religious cult, so to speak, or an organization that was religious. This is very Pisces. going into temples and synagogues and mosques and doing ceremony and prayers. And that whole 2000 era was you had to follow the church's rules to be able to be part of the, the The community and that went on for 2000 since Christ. It was the entrance of when Christ got here, was the Piscean Age, and there was fish. Remember, he had the symbol of fish all the time when they described it. So, his whole message was turn the other cheek. This is very Pisces turn the other cheek, don't get mad, follow the leader. You're going to be okay if you just do the structure. And then the Aquarian Age came in when Saturn entered Aquarius in the 1960s 62 to 64, 61 to 63 was right in that era, and then suddenly. I love when Saturn entered Aquarius. Drugs became possible, and free marriage became possible. And don't you dare follow anything. And are you kidding? We have free love, and we're be yourself. Everyone else is taken, and all these slogans. So, at the entrance of that twenty-one hundred year, which we can't mark it by date, we can't say it was September first. We look at these are longer cycles, but we could see the entrance, and I and I grew up during this. It was like Revolution City, like. Do not follow. Like everybody was breaking the rules. Throw away your bra. These were unheard of things. In the Piscean Age, it was rules. The Piscean Age was you cannot live in our society if you don't follow the rule. And if you did leave the group in the Piscean Age, you had nowhere to eat. You had no community. You had no safety. You'd be banished. So there was no freedom. You Choosing who you wanted to marry for those 2000 years was out of the question. You were given assignments. Then came the Aquarian age. I'm not getting married and by the way, I'm bisexual and I'm gonna get a whole bunch of tattoos and I'm changing my sex, like what? So the Aquarian age began with the entrance of a radical departure from the acceptable norms that were put in place by a Pisces who was trying desperately to keep control over our evolution. Well, it didn't work by the way, the Piscean age failed. He was trying, if we use Christ and Buddha as the example, they were trying to say, would you all shut up? and love. Well, that didn't work. (laughs) People got very angry and they fought and they completely missed. Now we're in the Aquarian age and here's the entrance. Are you willing to let go of what your family, your society, your, your mind is telling you is right and wrong and redesign with the experience of feeling separate and alienated and even bullied because you cannot follow So everyone listening to this, you are outside the box. You are in the new era. You're writing your own rules. It's all about technology. Welcome to Aquarius. We live on Zoom. We don't have bodies anymore. Aquarius sign is of the future. It's non-physical. It has the liberation of being able to say anything goes. I am open-minded to letting cyberspace become an intimate exchange right here, right now. Inside a crazy button pushing electronic machine. And look at me. I have headsets on. You guys can't see, but I'm a spaceship driver. This never, I couldn't wear these things five years ago. We couldn't talk astrology as women 50 years ago. There were no women astrologers ever. This is the Aquarian age. There was no acceptance that you wouldn't get married. You were a spinster and you were left alone and you were weird. Now anything goes. So I'm going on for a little rampage here. The point being, In the name of the transition is very, very awkward. We're in a very uncomfortable moment because it's just literally 40 years of a 2100 year cycle. We're one second in and we are pushing away everything that came from before. You're not gonna follow. We're not being told what to do. You will not tell me religion is the centerpiece of my world. You will not let society dictate to me. I will not live with an inequality, an injustice. This is unacceptable. So the, I'm a humanitarian that says we are all in this together. Pisces goes, oh my God, you're talking so loud. This is dangerous. Why are you so adamant about not following? Are you kidding? We're going to get in trouble. Aquarius goes, Are you kidding? I'm so excited to get in trouble. I don't want to follow. I want everyone to get mad at me. I'm going to wear the weirdest clothes. I'm going to get up at the weirdest times. I'm going to change everything. So we are in an awkward moment as we make the transition. And my generation, particularly, is looking at your generation and going, Sorry, we didn't really prepare you. And furthermore, we didn't do good at the Piscean age. We did not do a good job of embodying a spiritual practice, as the Pisces would have asked us, Mm -hmm. that was authentic. The Pisces faked it. And that is a Pisces symptom. The Aquarian's going, I am never, ever going to pretend and go to church and sit in there and act like I'm interested ever again. So we are now up against that radical departure without a new form. But the Aquarian always knows what they don't want. They don't always know what they do want, but they know what they're not willing to do. And so we are in a really strong departure. And I I personally love the fact that it's chaos. I I know it sounds bad. I probably shouldn't say this. But I think this chaotic breakdown is exactly what the Aquarius loves. Because in the ashes will emerge a new template, a new way of being, an opportunity for authenticity. What is astrology? It's describing you with so much permission. That you have no shame, guilt, self-consciousness about talking too much, about not talking at all, about being a neat freak, about being a mess. Like those qualities are now said, you can be yourself. And you know what? From the point of view of spirit, Aquarius, I love this, Aquarius says, I want nothing more than your weirdness. Give it to me. (laughs) Like, really? Pisces goes, I'm scared. I'm scared. They're going to come and tell us we're doing it wrong. Aquarius goes, I can't wait for them to get here. We'll have a great conversation, and I'll introduce a brand new thought, and we'll change that old model. Who talks like that?
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes. What? Ha- I just wanted to add too for those of the listeners who are not aware of what the age of Aquarius means, and that it's not just some mental. Um, thing that we made up some construct but it's actually like scientific you can actually see it (laughs) can you explain a little bit more about that
2: it's the Equinox, it's the circle, it's the movement of the planets that are going through cycles in a very large way, and they can determine there's a shift. It's a hard thing to describe, it's backwards, by the way. So, we're going, the, the ages go backwards. We just left the Piscean age. You would think we were going into Aries, but no, it goes back, which I find fascinating. I can't technically describe for you the changing of the ages. I think that it is definitely determined. By those larger i can't answer that question babe 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 Aquarius rise this is my Aquarius. i do not have the answer i can make <laughs> up an answer i will refrain from making up an answer
1: <laughs> so it's so it's the procession of the equinoxes right so when exactly. we have the the vernal equinox and it usually or the spring equinox usually went to the constellation of aries originally and then we
2: moved all the way through and are now in aquarius Yes, right. Got Mercury and Virgo. Yes, you can make that up better than me. So that's true. The answer is that's true, and there is no demarcation mm-hmm. to say we are in the Aquarian Age. The clue that I had, which I just gave you, was in the '60s everything went crazy. Yeah, and that was that was. Guess what? In '62, there were six planets in Aquarius. Did you know that? The mm-hmm. winter of '62, there were six planets. If that wasn't the loudest call. To say, totally. excuse me, but we are now breaking the rules. Yeah. Totally. So yes, it is it is this it is this movement of the planets at the large I love to think about it. If you get all the way out there back to Aquarius and you imagine the movement of the planets, that they are in fact affecting the collective zeitgeist on Earth. It's a wonderful thought.
1: Yeah, and it makes a lot a lot of sense. I feel like it's like a time, it's like universal time. And it's this movement and we're obviously, we know that we're going through different seasons. I mean, spring, summer, fall, winter, we all know about those and that is influenced by the sun. And it's like, okay, we know that we are already being influenced by those different seasons. And now all the other planets in our solar system's have the sun the same seasons, <laughs> and there's a
2: big well, you're, it's a great way to put it there's a big season for all of us if you imagine yes. you put your hands around our galaxy our 10 planets and it was moving through a yet again a larger cycle it's moving into aquarius so if you just think yeah. of it as we're as a collective a giant circle of a it's such a great thought of a galaxy and we are now moving into another constellation
1: And I feel like that's so Aquarius too, to think that way, because it's all about space and like looking outward of like, what else is
2: out there? I love this conversation. Oh my God. (laughs) If I think, you know, to bring it back home, if if we, and this is back to Aquarius, if we knew, and this is especially true of our moment in time, if we knew that everything was being organized by a higher, more like a brilliant intelligence, because anyone that knows astrology knows Mm -hmm. it's airtight. It's a magnificent, beyond the mind's capacity, beautiful matrix that's airtight. If we all knew that, we would know that everything was included. And therefore, what is going on right now on earth, as uncomfortable as it is, and as scary as it is, is right on schedule. And it is, in fact, the movement of a larger cycle It is is forcing us into evolution. And if I had to simplify our whole existence, every one of you listening, you are each an evolutionary exercise to see if your soul can refine, can continue to grow to keep your mind open, your heart open, and allow this lifetime to be one of the most refined experiences of your soul's evolution. If Mm -hmm. everyone asks the question, what does my soul want me to learn? In this lifetime, what did I sign up for? What was the agreement I made? How can I promise myself, not from an ego place, but from a soul place, that I will fulfill the agreement that I made by therefore facilitating the whole collective's movement? God, you'd see how important you are as a cute little person to contribute to the matrix by you creating a very profound version of yourself.
1: Are you ready to connect deeper with your intuitive powers, feel confident in your decision making and manifest your dream life and business with less stress and more flow? If you are a heck yes, I got something for you. The Moon Manifestor Membership. Learn the algorithm of life, find out what portals of opportunity are opening up for you each month so you no longer have to second guess yourself and try to force things to happen, but you can playfully up-level your life while enjoying the journey. And just like Pamela, one of the Moon Manifestors, who says, the Moon Manifestors have influenced my life in every way. Honestly, my life has become so much less stressful and so much more in the flow. I love seeing amazing things manifest for each of us. So what are you waiting for? Join the Moon Manifestors and transform your life in a fun and magical way. For only $39 per month, it's like your spiritual gym membership. So go to hannahchristiansen.com and sign up for the Moon Manifestors. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you there. May you live your dream life with less stress and more flow, because you are worth it.
2: How can I promise myself, not from an ego place, but from a soul place, that I will fulfill the agreement that I made by therefore facilitating the whole collective's movement, God, you'd see how important you are as a cute little person to contribute to the matrix by you creating a very profound version of yourself. And that's what I did. I spent my whole life trying to be my unique Deborah Silverman, and I'm getting better and better at it as I get older. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, this part, I just want to tell all of your audience that are millennials, it's so much fun to grow up.
1: Mm -hmm. It
2: gets so much better when you're older. You're not worried. You're not self-conscious. You don't give a shit what people think. It's fun to get in trouble. You're not worried about them coming to tell you you're bad. You're like, great, I like being bad. You're sassy. You're like, I'm so sorry I was sassy. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's
1: such a beautiful depiction of that Aquarius energy. And I feel like for us... Because we're moving out of the Pisces into the Aquarian Age, for me, I feel like we're right on the cusp between the two. Totally. So, so this is why we're still seeing such a such a big focus on Christianity as well. You know, the big following Magical, around yeah, Christianity, exactly. and a lot of people actually go from New Age to Christianity back to the Pisces Pisces Age. And it's been very it's been very interesting to watch that development. And I feel like right now we are in this very special moment where we actually have both of these ages merging together. And I feel like whatever great year that we are in, whatever great age that we're currently in as humanity. It helps us to ascend. It's almost like this is your guide to ascend. Mm-hmm. And right now we can ascend in two different ways. We can ascend through Pisces or through Aquarius. And it's like a very unique moment in time where there's not just like one rule that you got to follow. But it's like we can, we can so choose. Beautiful.
2: And what would we take? This is a great question. I've never asked this before. If we look behind in the Piscean age, what could we take? From that era into the next era, that would be wisdom because we've just spent 2,100 years. And and what you started with today in this podcast is a prayer. That's very Piscean. The Piscean age was you had to do ritual and you were bound by the rules of the church and you had to follow, but not anymore. But we could still take, I love ritual. Mm -hmm. I love doing prayers. I love burning incense. All those old traits that came out of the Piscean age, you're so right, are right here as we walk into the aquarium, what would we bring with us? I love the Christ story. I'm a Jew. I think he was an enlightened Jew. I I, I find him, I wasn't supposed to like him because my family didn't like him (laughs) because when you're Jewish, you're told not to follow that particular religion. Of course not you're Jewish. However, I've always seen like, what a great story. He loved us so much. This is very Piscean. Yeah. What do you love so much that you would give your life for? That's a Piscean question. Because the Aquarius is like, like, fuck off. Sorry, can you swear here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aquarius is like, fuck off. I am not going to give my life for, don't you dare tell me what I should do. And the Pisces is like, wait a minute. They're watching us and we're doing this for all of us. And you're not just one individual, Mr. Aquarius. You're part of a collective. So when you change, you're caring so much. We all get to be together. And the Aquarius goes, oh, my God, I am not doing what you just told me to do, but it sure sounded good. Yes. To love so much, said Christ that you would give your life in the name of the evolution of the species.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: That would be my highest aspiration, that I would make my life so, I hate to use the word sacrifice, but I'd be willing to give my life in the name of the evolution of our species. Because I love God life so much that my little ego's cute and it's not necessary. That's Pisces. Mm -hmm. So what a great question, I love that. Hannah, what would we take from the Piscean age Mm -hmm. into the here and now, as a respect for that which came before us, standing on the shoulder of our elders. And we would say, thank you. You taught us what it was to pray and chant and meditate and go into temples. And while it's not happening anymore, we don't want to leave behind the sacred practices that were handed to us. That's so beautiful.
1: And the unconditional love. I feel like yeah. that's like the that's like the highest light of Pisces is this unconditional love and the ability to forgive, even when there is like really bad stuff that was happening. But just this unconditional love, knowing we are all one. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we are oh. all coming from the same source. I feel like so that's just love. And we can take that into Aquarius because Aquarius wants to create this new evolution, this new community. And when we take that unconditional love with us, that's when we can build that new structure for generations to come that has the foundation in the Piscean Age because we've learned that lesson. But just as you were saying, we didn't do such a good job because we followed a man-made religion. It wasn't even what Jesus was um, you know, teaching the Christianity. Jesus wouldn't be a follower of Christianity. I'm pretty sure
2: he wouldn't be. Oh, no, he would not. He would not. Absolutely not. He'd be so, drinking wine, wanting to have a party.
1: <laughs> he was more of a rebel too. And they kind of took that out to make it fit into the Piscean age and make it fit into all that system. And I feel like taking that um, the good stuff of all of that with us mm-hmm. and creating that new foundation in the Aquarius age is the most powerful thing that we can do.
0: Mm. I feel like, I've been loving just like sitting back and listening to everything that you two have been saying for so long. I love that question too and started thinking like, I feel like we're in this really divine place where we are realizing that the responsibility for our own uh, quality of life and happiness is our own. It's completely our own. We're having to realize, and this is where I bring in the Pisces stuff, is is learning to do ritual that are resonant for us, learning what your own resonant spiritual practices and literally being able to discern and see the trends. Cause there is a commercialization of a lot of spirituality that always happens to popularize and when things are being popularized and it's fine, but we're able to see that and we're able to discern where we stand inside of that and whether working with crystals, um, or having the incense or working with cards or doing the journaling, we're able to discern why we're doing it and like, whether it has a potent meaning in our lives and, um, quick story. I just have to say, I facilitated a workshop at this a transformative music festival in February called the Gem and Jam Show. So mostly I, I was excited because I was teaching a workshop on imbibing your crystal with deep intention and working deeply with this new relationship you are cultivating with a specific crystal. I asked everyone to bring the crystal they were hoping to work with. Very, very excited as crystal work has been some of my most transformative, most grounding work ever. And I show up and there's like 20 people and not one of them brought a crystal. And I was like, huh, that's fascinating. Okay, so let's see. And we go around and like pretty much everyone didn't necessarily have any sort of grounded understanding or foundation. Like a couple people did for sure. And the people that did really knew about crystals and they worked deeply with them. But I was so astounded. And I left that with my eyes wide open like, wow, this is a really important conversation. Yes, we see crystals everywhere now and it's become a really integral part of a lot of spiritual conversations. But when you actually ask and inquire, like how is that tool working for you in your life? What are you doing with this? How are you utilizing this precious piece? Do you know where those are, uh, or were they ethically sourced from someplace? Are children mining these crystals? Like there are so many aspects to the practices that we need to be conscious about. And I feel like that more and more people are becoming aware and conscious of, and for me, that is the piece of the, the Piscean like ritual, finding the resonant practice and getting as educated and knowledgeable as you can about it so that you can be taking care of yourself. Cause times are wild right now. Times are mad and you have to be taking care of yourself first and foremost
2: you're mm-hmm. talking about Aquarius because Aquarius is conscious. Pisces follows the rules and does what they say, and you hold the crystal or you hold the incense or you go to church. You're saying, hold on a minute, let's be awake. Let's consciously choose this. Let's <laughs> discern whether or not this is true for me. Let me be, and, and that is so necessary in the new age. And one of the hardest things as an astrologer, you know, I have a school, I think you ladies know this. And I've trained 13 certified astrologers now on my team that I refer lots of clients to. They had to go through a rigorous training because in the Aquarian age, unlike the Piscean age, you could say crystals and everybody put a crystal in the church and we're all going to do, but now it's like, no, tell me exactly about that crystal. I want to study it. I want to understand it. Tell me about astrology. I don't want to be a generic astrologer that says all Aries No, I want to really know the system. And so this is a wonderful entrance of distinguishing the dippy doo new age, like that conference I met you at. Oh my God. Walking down the halls, where were we? The LA Conscious Expo. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Conscious Life Expo. It was at the Hilton in LA by the airport. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I'm walking down the street. I, I had the best time. There were people there who had spaceship entrances. They had crystals. They had all kinds of different technologies of different water and the t-shirts. And the I thought I was in a spaceship company where they were selling me all new age things and it got me a little scared. People were dressed up in Egyptian outfits and they looked like they walked out of a time travel machine. There was people there. I mean, it was it was like the new age on steroids and I get allergic to it. Like I, at a certain point I'm like, beep, 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 beep. I can't find where my, this is to your point. Where's the authentic person in this room that's actually using their crystals with the sanctification and with the prayer and they're really embodied versus We're having so much fun dressing up like an Egyptian wearing this little outfit. And now I'm a new age person because I, you know, this is the distinguishing factor right now is quality control.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And
2: how do you know? And this is one of the things I thrive in my company because I have 40 women working for me and I have trained them to be like, we are all real. We're going to be transparent. The new age is going to be stepped over into the real age where I want you to share with me. I want you to be honest. I want you to be transparent. I want to keep this love affair that we each have in this company that's real and it's not pretending. So if I had to distinguish the Aquarian age right now, which is dangerous, when you look around at all these people playing with their crystals, who do you feel in your heart when you're sitting next to them, calm? Who do you see living the life that you can tell is integrity? who has the kindness to stop time and be there for you when you bump into them and they're not like, it's really an art form to discern the quality control factor of the new age and the spiritual lingo and the jargon. And the, and I personally, cause Saturn's opposite my son, my, one of my deepest callings this life is please don't let me fake it. One of my prayers is Gemini I, to my say to myself, please make me real. Don't let me be full of shit. Let me be transparent. Let me speak from my heart. Don't make me talk about theories and go too far away. I want so much for this language that I share, for this Aquarian age to be depthy and real and human and less pretense and more authenticity. So when I say the Aquarian age is astrology center stage, astrology gives you permission to say, you know what? I don't want to talk right now. I don't have air in my chart and I'd prefer to listen and I don't feel bad about this. I'm just going to sit here and I'd like to just sit really close to you and I'm happy. Or I'm taking over. (laughs) I have those friends. I'm the fire person in the room. I'm taking over. I'm going to totally share all my ideas and every thought I'm having. And if you don't like it, tough. And that's a really valuable, like, okay, Mr. Fire, you take over. I'll be in the other room. (sighs) Or you take over. I'm going to celebrate you because I'm aware of the authenticity of the moment. And I don't want to pretend and I don't want to play games. And my best trait, you're going to love this is I have shades of Tourette's. I end up saying things to people in the middle of those situations that's so honest and so real. And it brings everything back to level field when I say things like, I don't really understand. Can you tell me again about crystals? Can we get back to square zero? Because I'm confused. I want all of your listeners to know permission, to be authentic, to be quality control, to ask hard questions, to interrupt. Mm-hmm. This is a very important piece of this new age. It has to happen. When people start talking jargon and woo-woo and you nod your head, it makes me nervous. Ah, yes. Oh. yes. I'm always the one going, excuse me. I always go, excuse me, excuse me. Can I ask you a question? Who told you that? Mm-hmm. Is that really your truth or did you read it somewhere? It's such a great question. Yeah. Is that? Do you believe what you just said? And then the conversation gets super real and then I'm happy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Oh, and it makes so many people uncomfortable. <laughs> I kind of
1: like it. Welcome to the Aquarian Age. And We're welcome to, to be g- uncomfortable. Welcome to Gemini Suns YouTube, too. Two, two, asking questions, living to ask questions. I love it.
2: And being willing to be uncomfortable. We live it. This is the most uncomfortable. We're birthing. To your point, what Hannah said about the transition, we're just birthing into the Aquarian age. It's so uncomfortable when there's a birth cycle. It feels so unnatural to leave everything behind and yeah. to go through that birth tunnel and have to find out that everything's so painful to enter the experience. We have to go through pain. So I wish they would tell us I know. that every time you go through a change, you're going to be awfully uncomfortable. Oh, thank you. What should I do? deep breaths, prayers, know who your family is. Make sure you can tell the truth, cry. It's okay to be depressed. Why? They never tell you any of that. Mm -hmm. And we're in
1: the birthing process and you have kids too. So we know like right before it's
2: being birthed, it's the hardest. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, how about during the birth? Hello? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like while you're screaming and yelling. It's like, that's like the transitioning
1: phase that where it's like the ring of fire basically comes up and you're like, oh, wow, I really need to breathe deeply through this right now because this is intense. But you also, when you wouldn't, if you didn't know that you're birthing something, imagine how scary that would be. Well, that's
2: where we are right now. We don't realize we're giving birth. If they just would have told us that 2020 is the entrance of the birth canal where it really starts to hurt. Yeah. So don't think something's wrong. I always want to tell people this, the millennials. It looks awful. And it is awful. And I am not going to pretend and play the game called new age. Everything's perfect and you created your own reality. It's all working out. No, it's very painful and it's really uncomfortable. And guess what happens at the end of the birth? A little teeny being with little eyelashes and little fingernails and they smell so good and they look at you and you melt. We are in the birthing process. We can't even see the baby. She's screaming right now. And we need to be the midwives, the wise ones that Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts like this that say, I will not misinterpret this discomfort. Mm -hmm. I will not make this wrong. I will not lose my faith. In fact, I feel more faith than ever to know now that you mentioned that we're in birth and I want to help. And what does it take for me to help? you got to be yourself because the only way to help, the midwife says, I've been, I love the midwife. My next life, I'm going to be a midwife. The um, midwife says, everybody sit down. I got this. mm -hmm. She's breathing. I know exactly what's happening. It's uncomfortable, but we are not creating drama at this moment. We need calm. We need wisdom. We need the crystals in the room. We need the lights on. We need the people in the circle that know how to hold hands and take the pain. Do not create drama at this moment. So for all of you, here's another request. Please diminish complaining. Do not misinterpret your depression, your sadness as something's wrong. Those are called birthing pains. Allow yourselves to know who to reach out to. Who's the person? It could be the dog that you can look into their eyes and go, oh my God, I remember. I feel better. Know who that person is. And if you don't have one, cultivate it you go make yourself a best friend to someone. Because the only way we're going to get through this birthing cycle is to know who we're sitting next to, to know how to breathe, how to pray. And the last and most important one is to have faith that nothing's wrong.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Your faith pieces just now have rocked my world. I woke up with a From like a dream, my mom passed away last year and it's been a divine piece of unfolding for me. She was Sagittarius sun with her son in the fourth house and my moon is like directly where her son was. Wow. Yeah. So my mom like gave me this like channel for me to view what spirituality could be. I was raised born again, Christian and (gasps) My faith deviated from the way that my family raised me and it created such a disturbance in my family because they would sit me down all the time and be like, you don't understand what you're getting yourself into. You're going to have to make blood sacrifices. Your leaders are going to this, that, and the other. And I was like, what the? What do you guys even think is going on? So when my mom passed away and I sat at my altar, my sacred space for my first time, I had this, Hannah was actually sitting right next to me in my room. And I had this moment that I was like, wow, I'm actually, now I'm able to start seeing this rebirthing process of my mom passing because now I know that she's witnessing me and that I know that she's able to see the purity of what's going on. Totally. And there's no reason for me to... like, I've never felt ashamed of any of this. And now she can see. And I, when I was moving my dad out of my parents' house, I got a bunch of pictures and things to decorate my office with. And I didn't notice until just recently that I put these two little things up here and it says, create faith. That's from my mom's office, create faith. And I didn't realize that I put those signs in that order instead of faith create or something like that. I just realized that. And since I did, I have been sitting with that, like, this is my portal inside here. Magical things happen inside of this room. And just like sitting with that mantra has been so, it's so important that we all learn how to create faith in our lives right now. Yes, all the listeners that are I love that you said that I wrote I wrote down for one of the quotes that we're going to make for you later about not in, misinterpreting your depression or as birthing pains. Those are called birthing pains. Like this is so important to realize and thank you for touching on the current events as well because it's so hard for us to rationalize why anything like this would happen and when someone comes with a reason as to you know, a way to look at it, it can be very, very jarring to people that anyone would think that they have any understanding as to why shit's going down the way that it is here right now. So.
2: Oh my God, that's so beautiful about your mother. I always say, it's so sad to say this. I get along with my mom so much better now that she's dead. Doesn't that sound wrong? But it's true. And to have your mom and to have the elders and the ancestors in our space to cultivate faith. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to create faith? It means that you start to really reach in deeply to your own heart of hearts. That was our prayer we started with. And you ask, help me create faith. Help me cultivate the knowing that all this is for a reason. Let me, even though my mind can't understand it, let my heart feel soft enough that I can have the belief. I My life was so difficult as a child. I had such a long standing, traumatic childhood. It never went away to the day I left home at 17. And I had an ulcer and I had skin problems and I was just constantly in the pretense of trying to pretend it was normal when it was as far away from normal. My father went to prison and there was the FBI and my brother was on heroin and there was just so much unbelievable trauma that was going on every day. and. At the end of that whole story, what I confidently can say to you is a cultivated faith. Mm -hmm. Is that weird? Like I found out that in the middle of all that, there were angels positioned for me.
0: I am calling in beautiful beings with a deep burning yearning desire to know themselves more fully. To feel fortified and faith-filled in the awareness that you came here with a purpose that only you can fulfill in your own unique way. For those who seek to cultivate their own resonant spiritual practices, I created the Sacred Self online course series just for you. To share intuitive tools that help one bloom from within. Doing deep self-study and introspection work has completely changed my life. I grew up in 18 different homes and nine different schools across the Las Vegas Valley. I was intensely bullied and coped with moving a lot by morphing myself into whoever I thought other people wanted me to be. And it never, ever worked. I was anxious, a crippling perfectionist with a pretty severe identity crisis too. I know this isn't what your story is, but maybe some of you can see yourself in me. One of the most valuable things that I've learned in my five years of tireless, passionate self-study is that no one has the answers for me necessarily. That in order to transform, it's my job to prioritize the time that I need to sit with my gifts and my triggers, my stuff, myself. In the three-part Sacred Self series, I guide you to create a sacred space for sitting in self-reflection. Invite in devotional gestures by creating a candle of presence and gain self-awareness through self-study, utilizing sacred svadhyaya, a journaling practice. I had a client tell me recently, wow, you know, I never really realized how much I glossed over the concept of self-acceptance. It's really like the most important thing. (laughs) My sentiments exactly. When we can invite in the awareness that maybe, just maybe, our challenges have come as learning opportunities for us to grow wisdom and strength from, our lives begin to change, no matter the challenge, no matter the hardship. If this feels like a resonant step for you, I invite you to join me in the Sacred Self online course series. Use code SACREDSIS for 20% off when you purchase the three-course bundle. Visit the online course tab on BritLynLaboeuf.com to enroll and remember... You are the healer you've been looking for, but are you giving yourself the time and space to do those deep dives?
2: What I confidently can say to you is a cultivated faith. Mm -hmm. Is that weird? Like, I found out that in the middle of all that, there were angels positioned for me in the nick of time in someone else's house where she made cookies when I'd walk into her house every day, Karen Dunn's mom, and we'd sit down at dinner and I'd be like, what is this? So in the middle of the trauma, in the worst of circumstances that never went away, there was a haven just to the left down on Oak Park Boulevard that I found out there was a place called, oh, faithful, honorable, kind people. So I want you all to know this. No matter what the trauma is, no matter what the storyline is, no matter there is somewhere where faith is waiting to find you Mm -hmm. and you have to have eyes open and a prayer in the front of your mind saying, can you show me how to have faith? Just ask for it. Can you give me a direct experience of an angel? Can you bring me? And even if you're at the worst of your cycle in your life, where life does that, that's when you pray the hardest. Like I don't believe, even saying, I don't believe in you, but please find me. And then the flip side is you two beautiful women, if you're filled with faith and you've been given the gift of astrology and you're so, both of you are so beautiful, then you say, my prayer every day is, who can I serve today? Mm -hmm. Who can I share my faith with and hope it's contagious? Like what you said at the beginning, Britt. like, how can I let myself inspire another to say everything you're going through has a reason? I promise. I know it sounds so new agey, but Mm -hmm. everything you're going through, I promise you, your soul's orchestrating this. And by the way, your soul, I hate to say this, but it's true. You probably heard this. Your soul's a slut every experience it can have. It doesn't care if you're fat or you're thin or you're ugly or you're pretty or you're rich or you're poor or you're single. Your soul's like, oh, we're going to have another experience. So once you give your life over to your soul and you mean it and you do your prayers and you say, please use me. Please bring me to the highest level of evolution. Let me be of service. They go, really? Mm -hmm. And you can add, make the soft, make it gentle. Don't hurt me. I don't want to be woken up with a loud alarm clock. I did that prayer many, many years ago. I said, stop screaming at me. Send me a memo. Give me a little note. Put it in my body. I'll listen. But don't hurt me anymore. Yeah, And they stopped hurting me. And
1: when we start listening to those little signs, we don't have to attract huge things
2: coming to us. <laughs> it's so true. And when you don't listen, they scream at you. Yeah. So another, another prayer you guys could take from this class, this, this session here today, this podcast, is let me learn gently. Mm-hmm. Give me the gift of my awakening with the kindness. You, you, know, you can make up your own prayers all day long, said the Piscean past life memory of that age. Ask for what you need. And then be prepared for a miracle. I swear it really works. And that's the beautiful way
1: of combining Aquarius and Pisces with like, let me awaken Aquarius, but let it be gentle and kind Pisces.
2: Very good. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And you can ask you guys, everyone's sitting here. You can ask your dead relatives. I love that Brit's mom is here now. And, and you can pretend they're in the room. I swear my dad, look at this is hysterical. Here's my dad. He's been dead for 22 years. Tomorrow night, I light a candle for him. He's sitting on my table. I always say to him, Dad, go get a life. I mean, really. <laughs> Dad, he's floating around. Okay, here comes her mom. They're in the room. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Look. Oh, my God. I love her. Yeah. She looks like you so much.
0: I know. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. <laughs> that makes you
2: want to cry. There's people in your room, you guys. There's angels in your room, and they're watching us. And they want you to lean in mm-hmm. and they want a relationship with you. Welcome to the Piscean Age. This is the old story. There were seances and there were Ouija boards and there were psychics and there were people that were trying to tell us. And now in the Aquarian age, it's safe. You can really yeah. believe in this. It's not scary anymore. It's not that the ghosts are coming to hurt you. They're coming like I know your mom is here, and I know my dad is here. And I keep saying to my dad, really? Is there something else you could be doing? I mean, I'm so thankful you love me so much, but yeah, maybe you want to go somewhere else. He is at the same time because there is no time and space outside of a body. It's the
1: fun it's thing true. about it.
2: It's true. I know. <laughs> and then I finally got the message that, you know what, he likes me. And we've had such a karmic agreement. It's not a surprise that, um, and I miss him all the time. makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. I miss him all the time. Isn't that silly? You know what it means when you miss someone? That you weren't done yet. Mm-hmm. That a great thought. When someone leaves, and you're like, "No, no, I'm going to miss you." It's because you weren't done. You you still notice how you don't miss your exes. Ideally, bye bye now. (laughs) Well, the ones that you were really done with, that you were like, "God, that is so over." Yeah, yeah. And I feel like you can um, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, Uh, I feel
1: like you can even even when you still miss someone from the past, you can connect with them through the higher self, just as you were saying, I connect with, um, you know, you were saying you you connect with your mom so much better since she's dead. It's because we don't have that ego wall um, that we have to break through in order to connect with, with soul. And we all have that ego in one way or another. And it's our fear that is trying to preserve us and, when we are outside of this body, we don't need that anymore. So we're just like in this pure space so we can like directly connect with them. And we can still do that even with people that are still in the physical body, but we can connect with their higher selves and be like, all right, let's have that conversation on this higher level, which I feel like is also Aquarius, like zooming out, detaching from this human experience of like, oh, I'm in the midst of it all. I'm the Leo that is like, you know taking part of the drama like we're on the opposite side now we're on Aquarius where it's like let's detach from this human experience yes look at it from above and be like all right what's the big picture here what's really going on who are we on this multidimensional level that we all live on and this 3D reality is just one of so many others. And we don't have to just connect on that level either. It's
2: just so stubborn, this reality. Do you know about my book, The Missing Element? Because in the book, the whole book's about what you just said, Anna. It's mm. about turning on the observer Yeah. and looking back at your life and yourself with the compassionate voice that says, oh, from this distance, I see my cute little ego and it's not so cute. You know, it becomes an honest conversation. So. The missing element, I I have so enjoyed watching people's response from reading the book, because once that observer's on that you described, where you step up and step out and look back, there's kindness.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So yesterday I posted with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and um, things either being, it seems the last week, things have been very black or very white in terms of the conversation and I have been sitting and inquiring with what my own story with race was. Fact is I had a really, really traumatic experience. It did involve black people. I thought that I was going to be raped and killed and it was terrible. And there are a lot of people that are awakening to a lot of things, their own trauma, their own privilege, Their own ignorance, so much stuff, and and it feels like, or it seems like, there's so much bullying and shaming going on. If you're not like already, I know. So yesterday, last night, I posted. I watched it like 20 times before I posted it because I was so scared. I didn't want to offend anybody, but I was like, it's so important that we just gain awareness over what our story is, because without that, we can do the fake thing and be like, yeah, protest, go out and do the thing. be seen and take an Instagram selfie at the protest or like make sure that everyone knows what our stance is, but without like actually inquiring within and saying like, okay, what is my stuff? Is there stuff that I need to work on? Good. Is this a part of my family's thing? Were my parents, uh, my parents, I wouldn't consider racist. They were racially ignorant because they were from small towns in New Mexico. Do I blame them for that? No, not necessarily. Did they instill something within me? Yes. And I'm assessing that now. And it's important that I not just pretend like, oh yeah, I've never had any issues with race and you know, this is an abomination what's going on right now. It's like, no, it's important for me to be there for the people that are awakening to this right now and be like, yeah, I'm working through my own shit too. But you know, what's the best part? We're doing it. We're doing the thing. We're bringing it to the surface. Now we're gaining awareness over it. And only then can we authentically be able to
2: show I love up that. and, 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 yeah, be in a different place. I'm so- I love that. No, that's so important what you just said, just because I keep getting it wrong, apparently on my social media. I mean, you can't get it right. Exactly. But, this, but what you just said, what you just said helps so much. Like, all I have to do is do my self inventory and be really honest about this, that I can't get this right. We are in the most awkward, back to the age transition. We're in the same thing again. We're in the the same thing with bullying. It's the most awkward thing in the world to know what the right response is in this lifetime. to get it right. When we are so awkward and we're so uncomfortable and we're so basically as human nature, we're basically mean. I mean, if you, if I can own the fact, I I just stand still. You know what I do as soon as I feel confused. This is another piece of wisdom. said the 60,000 year old woman, I stand still, but I got in trouble for not saying anything about this whole thing on my, they were like, you can't stand still now. You have to say something. I was like, uh Oh, my way of dealing with high stress is to stand still and witness. And I got shit. Totally. And my whole team, they started, oh my God. I was like, this is almost funny. Cause I just stood still watching how funny it was. Like this one had this opinion and that one had that opinion. That one got mad at me and that one didn't get mad. That one's, I was like, oh, this is funny. We are in the middle of uncomfortable transition between the Aquarian and Piscean age. And we don't know the right answer anymore.
0: Exactly. I think that's such a potent piece. I've done the exact same thing, and I consider myself a communicator. I'm on my social media creating content all the time, constantly talking. And when this whole thing happened, I I needed to take a backseat. I was so curious to know how it was going to be. <laughs> Me too. And now. And now I've real, it's like I'm realizing more and more and more with the death of my mom, with how everything in 2020, it's like it won't stop. Things are just constantly happening. And what I've come to realize is that when you can be aligned in your own truth, when you are standing authentically, you know where you're at, even if it's not perfect, most of the time it's not going to be. But if you know what your truth is, you're unshakable because it doesn't matter necessarily where other people come from, where other people think that you should be. It's easy to see other people's perspectives and perceptions and understand that they don't have anything to do with you necessarily. You're like aligned with your truth. You know who you are, you know what you're working on. And like, that's all that we really
2: have to be doing here. We're, we're doing our best. So it's so, so true. Like, just be aligned with yourself if that's the answer <clears throat> then I feel like I know exactly what to do and for me it's being quiet but that got oh I got so much shit like I like, what was the right thing to say forgot I'm a Gemini like I'm built for this job and my answer is don't say anything right now oh oh
0: yeah such a funny thing and the expectations that other people can put on you too. <laughs>
2: It's almost like, yeah, the, and, and how comfortable are we with being uncomfortable? Because this is a very uncomfortable conversation as a mm-hmm. white person. And and the fact that I grew up in Detroit, which I can't even say out loud because I feel bad even saying it. And that I was, because then I feel like, oh, really? Just because you were brought, like, I, I, everything I say, I feel the, the other voice come in yeah. to interrupt me and make me feel like that was the wrong thing to say. Yeah. But the truth is, I have always been deeply, so deeply affected by the injustice of racial discrimination. It is probably the deepest wound. I don't know why it's one of the deepest wounds in my human psyche is I cannot believe that we don't see the truth of someone's soul by looking in their eyes. I cannot understand it. I don't care. I don't get it because I, I, so I can't talk about it because it just makes me want to hit somebody. can't you guys stand apart and just close your eyes or open your eyes and look into the eyes one or the other and realize we're all in this together and we're all awkward and and we all are genuinely trying to learn love. Please don't get mad at them if they can't do it yet.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's so, so beautiful. Like you said that, and it's so important to, to realize that, that we're all, part of the same source we're all individual and different and beautiful and unique in our expression that's the aquarius but at the same time you have that pisces of like we're still all
2: one too at the same time it's and so funny it's <laughs> really so funny. bringing the two together really, yeah you really i've never thought of that before the marriage of aquarius and pisces do you know and this is we have to go i know but in um in astrology when you learn your progress moon which i'm about to produce a series about it's so important to know when the transition happens because when the progressed moon changes from one sign to another, there is literally. As you described, the two windows open at zero degrees, the last progressed moon has still got its scent in the room, and the new progressed moon's entering with the new scent, and there's one moment where they're hanging together, which is not unlike where we are right now with the Aquarium of Pisces. And in that moment in astrology, when you see the between 29 and zero degrees of the transition when the progressed moon begins to move, and this is an indicator that astrologers use to predict, it's a very, very clear indicator, and I'm doing a series, I can't wait to get it out. Um, when that transition happens, you really do feel a radical change. Not unlike when the Aquarian and Piscean Age start to shift, there is like this, it's like almost crisis-like energy mm-hmm. because you can't manage these two different winds. They're cross currents and you're not settled in either side. And so you're allowing yourself to be in this discomfort, uncomfortable moving target. And And it's happening to me right now as we speak. I'm at 29 degrees. My progressman's about to enter Leo. Thanks for noticing. But I I feel the discomfort. And so let's just complete with that prayer we started with. May we keep our hearts open. May we know what it is to let the mind surrender its lack of understanding of what we wish we understood, like accepting that there is a time in this evolution of our species that is so complicated in its transition, not to be mistaken with anything's wrong. And when you drop into faith and you know there's a greater intelligence far beyond what we could comprehend, you know we're being held and you know to let there be discomfort, to let there be awkwardness, to let there be self-consciousness with a deep breath. There's a way of accepting the birth as a magical moment including the pain because we have faith to know at the end of this movie you'll be sitting heart to heart with that which created you and you'll bow your head and say thank you for this lesson i've learned so much the good the bad the ugly all of it i am so grateful do you know why we live forever because it takes that long to say thank you (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a gift to be alive at this moment. And you guys are, this was amazing interview. What a gift to be alive in 2020 and Mm -hmm. be on a podcast with sacred women talking about astrology inside of a computer with a headset (laughs) on. Like who makes this up?
1: Age of Aquarius is so fun. Thank you so much, Deborah. This was amazing. This was so much fun. With I you. want to
2: listen to it again. That was so fun. I thank know we awesome. will soon. <laughs> While
0: wow, wow, that prayer was going on, I was thinking back to so many topics that we traversed
2: today. I was like, "Wow, did I say that? Did this?" <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for your all your concrete examples, Brittany. That's a really great way to teach. I really appreciate that you t- brought it back home. Mm -hmm. and talked about your body and the bullying and the experience because every time we do a real life experience in, in light of our this great conversation it makes us all feel like wow if she can do it we can do it yeah oh
1: such a such a beautiful gift
0: Yeah, I've been Mm -hmm. taking a lot of speaker uh, workshops and webinars on how to tell a really great story. And You
2: did. (laughs) You really did, yes. And so you guys all know about the book and the school. Do you know about the school twice a year? I only teach twice a year. In January and September, we have a six, it's a six-week class once a week for an hour and a half and you learn astrology in bite-sized bits and advanced astrologers take level one you don't have to take level two if you're an astrologer but it's a personal transformation entrance because i'm a therapist we use psychology wrapped up with astrology so you there's only 10 people in the room you're on zoom they've studied your chart before you got there with me Mm -hmm. and the mentor the teacher and you take this dive into what's my karma what's my life lesson What's the nature of my elements? How do I deal with my stupid internal dialogue? <laughs> oh, so cool. Yeah. Where de- any of you want to. Yeah. And the other thing you'll be so excited about you guys. I just started a library with all of my videos. It's, it's called the star community.com. And it's, it's like, I think it's $200 and you get every single video from where's the houses, what's the planets, what's the progressed moon. And what, and so if you all want to learn astrology for basically for free, you can join the star community, and I think it's just starting next month. Where, yeah, it's a lot of fun things coming out of Deborah Silverman. Yes, thank you so much for offering all these. We have our
0: little links all lined up for all the offerings <laughs> that you have, and we're gonna be putting it in the show notes to let everyone know future. We're so, so grateful to have you on the podcast. And before you leave, we have three little tiny questions that we ask. Every okay.
2: Time. I love three little tiny questions. Gemini I said to the Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! So these obviously can be
0: a shorter format. So what does sacred mean to you?
2: Mercury and Taurus took me a minute. Um, to me, sacred means that I have an intention to empower or imbue into this moment a holiness, Mm -hmm. a quality of presence that comes from beyond this physical plane and I invoke and I beckon. And when I create a sacred space and I have intention coming from my priestess, the world becomes magic just like that. So I do a lot of sanctification in creating sacred space wherever I go. Mm Beautiful.
1: And who is a sacred sister to you and what does it mean to have a sacred
2: sister? Okay, now I'm going to cry. Oh, that's so interesting. I have a best friend of 30 years who I talk to every day and she has held my heart as though it were gold. So she has shown me, that's so funny. She has shown me across time that there's nothing about me that's not lovable Mm. And that I have someone that has my back so I can face the world. Stands away from my kids, stands away from my partner. She is the person that I find as my anchor. Mm. Mm.
0: Blessed be to that sister out there.
2: Gemini, she's Gemini.
0: Of course she is. (laughs) What are some ways that you make something normal or mundane into something magical or sacred? I feel like you've touched on this.
2: Did you ask a question about something normal? things that people can see. Here's the simplest thing when I do the dishes or when I'm cleaning the car, or when I'm taking care of my kids and dropping them off, I play, I don't know if you know about Trevor Hall's music. Do you guys know Trevor Hall? Live for Trevor Hall,
0: live for Trevor Hall. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's my son. He lives down the street. So um, (laughs) yeah, I put on music as a constant practice and I have incense constantly on. And those are the ways that I sanctify and make mundane things special.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so
2: much, Deborah. This was so amazing. It oh was so fun. That's the <gasps> longest interview I've ever done. Well, welcome to Gemini Aquarius, the two of them. And Aquarius <laughs> rising in 15. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was so interesting. I, I'm going to let people listen to this because they're going to, because I don't know how you did that. You just brought some new stuff out of me. Oh, yeah. I like you so much. I like you so much. If you guys ever want to do it again with another topic, you just let me know.
1: Oh, yeah. Awesome. For yeah. sure. We'd love to talk to you for hours and
2: hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll still have to meet up whenever you come to Vegas. Yeah, for a real life cancer rising hug
0: yes okay you guys thank
2: you i'm way off my schedule now it's so funny
0: yes 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 please have a really great rest of your day thank you so much and we're going to be sending you um the two uh audio grabs and the video grab and then we have some little quote things that we'll send you too
2: thank you so much thank you have a a beautiful rest of your day you too and we say
1: thank you to our audience thank you for listening i hope that you I've taken some really good tidbits of this conversation today. so inspiring and motivating you to really step up in this age of Aquarius to be you, to be you fully. So thank you for listening. Thank you for taking this time and
2: we'll see you in two weeks. Namaste.